Yo, see what up, man? What up? Yo, you can't keep the L. Cause I play strictly for the W, that's how champs do. No emotion like a wild when I'm focused. I stay ready, train and go, cause I'm a pro. There's no off season. I'm LeBron like on the mic, MJ status. I can hear too. It's about the opposition, all I know is hit him. I'm so disrespectful. There's nothing you can do about it. My dominance race supreme like peace on top of everything. I bring the noise, thus put you a pause. Opponents the strong as well as the weak. I'm by Mike MC, amongst the elite. And I roll with a championship circle. You don't believe me? Ask yourself. Sit down, let's talk about it with my man Cordell Bowser. Yeah, clap it up for Welcome to another episode of Championship Circle with your host, Cordell Bowser. And I got a special guest with me today. He's not only a ball player, but he's an entertainer. Go on, introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Atkinson, Wilson, North Carolina, former Harlem Globetrotter, now WPA, Wilson Preparatory Academy head basketball coach. And y'all heard when he said former Harlem Globetrotter. So, yeah, so that means he's an entertainer. I mean, when you talk about the Harlem Globetrotters, all you think about is the tricks, uh, the crowd favorite. I mean, tell them about the work you put in to be there to get to that that spot. It's a whole lot harder than what people think, man. I mean, you know, not only is it just, you know, the skill and, you know, the, the practice, you know, of your craft. It's also, you know, traveling the road for seven to eight months out of the year, being away from your family, um, living in and out of hotels and out of suitcases, you know what I mean? But uh, all in all, man, you know, <clears throat> you, I always believe you get in, you get in, you get out what you put in. Oh, and uh, ever since I was a young kid, you know, with my dad, I've been, you know, preparing you know, to do something special with my life, whether it be basketball or whatever it is. But I've been around basketball my whole life. And I, I mean, we worked, but when I was with the Glow Trotters, man, it was, it was, it was, it was never stopped thing. And uh, you, we would get back to the hotel room some nights. We would just grab a ball and just start working on our craft and everything like that. Because like you said, we were entertainers and people paid money to come see us play and not just to come see us play and perform, but, you know, we changed a lot of people's lives, you know, at my 12 years out there. You know, we had cancer patients come. That was the last request to watch us play. And, you know, people, you know, earthquakes were hit countries and we would go and uh, brighten up people's days. So, you know, it was a lot of a lot of pride that was uh, that we took out there on that floor every night when we went and played in front of the masses, man. A lot of pride. Yeah, man. And like you said, man, like y'all had children that was sick and if they just got to a glow trotter game, it was like their sickness disappeared from the time they were there to the time they was the game was over. Cause that's the only thing that y'all brought smiles on people's faces. Yeah, it so. was it was it was crazy. We had a phrase that we used to say, you know, people can be going through anything. It's just like now with you know the COVID and oh, 2020. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you know, but if it was a glow trotter game going tonight for two hours, people would forget about everything going in the world and they would just have fun. And that's why we took so much pride in what we did because we made people forget about their problems. We made people forget about, you know, what was going on with their bodies, anything in their life. And for two hours, everybody was a kid and we just had a great time. And that was a special thing about being a Globetrotter. Yeah, man, I respect every bit of part of that, man. All right, so we know you talked about the Globetrotter, but that's like fast forward. So let's back up your high school basketball career. You got any memories about that? Well, of course, I mean, you know, I was a two-time state champion at Greenfield School. Uh, my senior year, we were state runner-ups. So um, my first year at Greenfield School, I went 26-0. and uh, We won a state championship. We beat Word of God in the championship. My uh, junior year, we went 27-2. Uh, we beat, uh, I think it was Gaston Day uh, School back then from Charlotte. And then my uh, senior year, we actually played Victory Christian out of Charlotte, and we lost to them in the championship game. I think we went 31-6 and six that year. But I uh, had a lot of good times, man. Had a lot of good times also at my previous school, Bedingfield High School, right here in Woodson, Carolina, um, Woodson, North Carolina. I uh, We had some great times there, winning the Christmas tournament my freshman year, making the all-tournament team. You know, that was something special. That's what 
a lot of people live for, you know, coming up through the woods and public schools and everything to play in the Christmas tournament. And for me to have a chance to experience it and everything, man, it, it was cool, man. We had, had a lot of fun in high school years. I mean, I tell anybody now, you know, high school basketball is way different from when we were back then. Oh, I, think, yeah. I think we were a lot more competitive. And I think, you know, we were also a lot more, you know, we didn't have the gift of social media. And I tell my kids nowadays, if I had social media back in the day, I would have been probably a top 10 pick. Oh yeah. Social media help out a lot of young players right now. Oh man, it, a lot mean, of... it helps them out. I mean, some of these young players, you wouldn't even know. Nope. Some, of these young, young, some of these young players actually fall victim to social media because it hypes them up so early. And they get a uh, you know a scholarship offer like what's my guy that uh, went to North Carolina? He's at South Carolina, Seventh Woods. Yeah, Seventh he had Woods. he had one of the best um, you know highlight tapes in high school you could possibly see, but you know it showed a lot of dunks and a lot of highlights. But the fundamental and lack of skill was there. Mm -hmm. And so when he got to Carolina, it was showcased, you know. And then now he's at South Carolina, he's still struggling. But you know, I wish everybody luck. But I mean, that's that's the thing about social media now that covers up a lot of your flaws in your game. Because once you get in the game, if you playing a real dog and you look across the floor and nobody cares if you can dunk or what you can do, it's gonna be tough for anybody. And that's that's why I said it was different back in the day because we didn't play for social media. We played for pride. We played for, if I see you on the street in a barbershop, I wanted to beat you because if I come in the barbershop, I can talk about smack. Rights. yeah. Right, right. It just, it just meant a little more to us back then. And um, you know, I tell my kids, I coach that today, I said, you know, y'all couldn't, Y'all couldn't be on the floor with me for five minutes back in the day. I would just eat y'all alive. Just, you know, <laughs> the mentality was different. The mentality was just totally different back in the day. And speaking of mentality, I'm going to kind of fast forward a little bit forward now. I know this right. this might excite you right here. I went online. <laughs> yeah, I did. I went online. when I, I, I do my research when I'm interviewing. So right. I went online and I seen Aunt Atkinson, 10 points in 40 seconds. Yeah, 10 points in 40 seconds. And I'm gonna just tell the listeners, you're not tell them how tall you is. I'm five nine and a half. Five nine and a half. Now rewind back, go into your memory, and take me down that 40 second shot that 40 seconds left in the championship game. Well, it was uh I was actually in college, <clears throat> it was my senior year at Barton College. And um, we had a we had a crazy year that year. You know, we had started out ranked number two, and then we like went on a crazy losing streak. We lost like five straight over Christmas, and then we had some things happen with our team that just you know shook everything up. And then we started hooping, and we ended up winning like eighteen or something games straight or something like that. And we ended up uh, hosting the regionals, won the regionals, and then we made it to the elite eight. Like in NCAA Division One, they had what they call the Final Four. In Division Two, they had what they call the Elite Eight. It's the replica of the Final Four. It's just mm -hmm. eight teams in it. So we were there, and of course we were the smallest team there. Nobody really knew about us, anything like that. So we won the first game. I actually hit a buzzer beat of that game from half, almost half court. We won the second game. I hit the game winning free throw. Um, then the third game, which was the national championship game, we were playing the uh, the predominant favorite, which is Wyoming State, and we had lost to them the year before in the Elite Eight in the first round. And so it was a rematch. And what's crazy was at the beginning of the year, they were actually ranked number one and we were ranked number two. So uh, it, it's just fitting how everything worked out. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, we the game was back and forth all game. And, um, you know, it got down to like the last 45, 40 seconds and we came to the huddle. And in my mind, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, this is my last game as a college <laughs> player. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to do all I can, not just for myself, yeah. but, you know, for my for team, team. Yeah. we worked so hard to get there, man. And we, I really felt, I really felt like we were better than them. I did. I was pissed because I didn't think I did enough the year before to beat them. And now I was sitting here going through the same exact thing. And uh, I just went out there and, you know, I just, you know, that takeover mode hit. And it was, I felt like we had nothing to lose, you know yeah. what I mean? And the closer the game got, you know, the more they begin to like kind of choke and I came down, I think I hit like a jump shot. Then they mm -hmm. went down, they missed the free throw, came back down, boom, hit another jump shot. Then we got a steal on the inbound and my teammate Errol Frills threw the ball to me and I hit a layup with my left hand. And um, I was going to the free throw line to tie it up. 
And uh, at that point right there, you know, I I, I felt like we were going to win the game. Yeah. I, 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 I know your heart was being a thousand miles per hour. Oh man, the adrenaline, the, the <laughs> adrenaline, and you know the the, the 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 moment. You know, a lot of people talk about the moment yeah. overtaking. And I think honestly, that's why I ended up missing the free throw because the moment really overtook me. And I missed the free throw, and they went down. And when I look back on it now, you know, a lot of people are like, man, you choked the free throw. You know, what would happen if you know they would have held the ball for the rest of the game? And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we would have lost. I mean, yeah. that, that, was, that was it. That's just just that's just a part of the game. But I knew we had another chance because they weren't shooting free throws well. So we went down, I missed the free throw, they fouled, and uh, they missed the first free throw. And then he hit the second free throw, so we were down two. So then they throw me the ball, I hit I hit a reverse uh, layup on the other side. And then I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, it's like four seconds, you know, and it's winding down three and the guy dribbles up to me and I make him cross over cause I see my teammate running from behind him. So I make him cross over to where my teammate is at and my teammate, you know, steals the ball, back tips it. And then they kick it up to me. And my first instinct as a point guard, look at the clock because then I could decide mm-hmm. whether I need to shoot a pull up three or I need to take the ball all the way. So when I looked at the clock, I saw I had 2.5 seconds and I was at half court. I said, hey, if I miss the layup or I don't get off in time, at least we go into overtime. I said, but I'm not just going to chunk up some three and, you know, not give myself a fair chance. And plus I knew how fast I was with the basketball. So I sped the ball, I sped dribble all the way to the hole, man, and made the layup. And, you know, we were national champions and it was just, it was a story, you know, just about it. Was, it it's really, it's really good enough to be a movie. I, yeah. I, I feel that that whole season, that whole 2007 championship season, and that just culminates everything that we went through all year. The injuries, the um, the you know, the drama that we had, you know, because I think every good team, if you even watch the Michael Jordan story, you know, what I'm saying the Last Dance, they talk mm-hmm. about the drama that they had with each other and going on in the background. But what people don't realize, and that's why I say. Basketball is a whole lot different with how we played back then. Drama somehow brought us together. It made us tighter. It made us closer. Nowadays, these kids and these athletes, they take stuff so personal and they can't learn how to move on from things for the better good, which is the team. And they hold things in. But, you know, all that stuff, you know, brought us together. And we were, you know, we did something special for our city of Wilson, man. We won national champions. And it was, it's a day I never forget. It's, it's a week I never forget, actually, because all that stuff, all the interviews and, flying out to the SB awards and everything like that. It was just, it was amazing, man. It was just, it was just good to, re- to live. And sometimes I even go back and, you know, I show my son the clip sometimes, you know, just to see, you know, daddy don't, daddy know what he's talking about. Yeah, you know? I know that's right. You know here's the proof right here, son. Right, sometimes you gotta do that. Cause he hear people talk about it. And I, and my, my dad asked me one day, my father asked me one day, have you ever sat down and like really broke down the film to him? Cause my son, he's gonna be a great basketball player too. And I told my dad, I said, nah, I said, I never did. I said, I was going to do it. He said, it might be good that you do it. Cause my son getting at the stage now where he understands a lot more. Oh yeah. And how old is he? He's about to be 10 in February. Okay. Okay. And so uh, I sat down with him one day and he watched the film and he was just smiling. And uh, I was like, what you smiling for? He was like, that's you. I was like, yeah. I said, you see how little I am? I said, (laughs) hopefully, you know, you get a little taller than I am. But I said, you know, it don't matter what the circumstance look like. It don't matter, you know, the size of anything. I said, you go out there, you give your all on the floor, something good will end up happening. If not, if you don't even win the game, something good gonna happen later on in life for you. Because, you know, I tell people, and I tell my athletes that I coach today, basketball is a life lesson in itself. Mm-hmm. You take me, for example, basketball is taking me all around the world to 90 something countries. I met all these famous people. I made a good living for myself. I got a family. You know, that, that round basketball, it's a life changer. If you, if you treat it right and you do the right oh, yeah. thing by it. So, you know, it's a life lesson and everything, but that's that's a good life lesson I tell people, you know, just never give up, man. Because if I would have gave up, you probably wouldn't be talking to me on this podcast right now. I know that's right, man. And that's what these young players, these young athletes got to remember, like, never give up. Like, that right. got to be their motto, never give up. Right. And, it's, and it's I see good, it's good, especially this time, because I mean, you look at so many young kids that just any little thing happened, they're just ready to quit, ready to give up. And I tell them, I said, you know, you say you want to. I told one of my kids, I said, you told me you want to make the NBA. I said, so what if you go out, come out of college and you don't get drafted? Mm-hmm. You got to go overseas. Then you got to go to the G League. Then you might get to college to the NBA. I said, so you just going to give up just because you didn't get drafted? I said, I didn't get drafted. I said, but I always wanted to play in the NBA. I said, I still think I can play in the NBA. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? So 
I tell kids, man, that, I mean, that's my slogan anyway. I mean, my, my cousin makes t-shirts for me. Never give up. You know I mean? <laughs> never give up, man. It's, 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 you know, it seems cliche, but it's just so true. Yeah. And like I said, you from Wilson, North Carolina, small town. I mean, you, when you got the talent to do something from a small town, you got to put it on showcase. Right. You got to put it on showcase. A lot of these young players, they hold back. They get involved with the wrong crowd. Yep. No, I mean, I done seen athletes, like I'm from Weldon, North Carolina, another right. small town. I done seen guys I grew up with averaging 30 points on the basketball court. Now they in the streets, they yep. selling dope, they smoking dope. I mean, you got to put your, your potential on showcase. I actually told my guys, uh, it was a practice when we first began this year. I told them, I said, you know, on one Saturday or one Sunday morning, I'm going to take you guys down to our local rec and I'm just let you sit and watch. And they said, well, why are we going to do that, coach? I said, because I won't, after they play, I'm going to have some of the old time legends come over and talk to y'all mm -hmm. and tell y'all why they didn't make it. I said, because it's good for y'all to hear stories like that so you can know what not to do so mm -hmm. you can't make it. And I said, a lot of it was just you no know, decision. You have choices. And I tell them, I said, your choices, at the end of the day, they're going to either, you know, give you something positive or you're going to, you know, have consequences. I said, so, you know, you got to learn how to make the right choice. And I said, a lot of them just didn't make the right choices. I said, you know, but y'all need to see that because you can learn from those things. I said, because I remember I used to play in these direct leagues when I was coming up in high school. And some of those same legends and some of those same guys that had a chance to make it, they would talk to me in the rec league and some of them would tell me some positive things and some of them would tell me some negative things because, you know, you got your haters out there just because they didn't make it. They don't oh, want you yeah. to. Oh, so, yeah. but I got it. I understood it. And I told my guys, I said, that's why y'all need to go through these things because your generation, that's what y'all are lacking. And that's why I, I'm just thankful as a basketball coach, I cannot just sit back and coach and teach these guys. I can literally get out there and show them what to do, what not to do, because this generation is more of a show me generation. Like mm -hmm. our generation, all you had to do was say it. And That's it. Done. This generation, you got to say it, you got to show it, then you got to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and show it again. And I get it. It's a different generation, but, you know, that's the joys that I get out of being a basketball coach. You see where we came from when we were in school to now the way these kids are today. And the great basketball coaches learn how to adapt to the different surroundings and the different eras and things like that. And I, I'm glad you said something about you coaching. Um, Wilson Prep. Yes, sir. Um, I seen um, something that kind of struck my attention. They said y'all was the number one D1 school in the area right now. Wilson yeah, Prep basketball. Yeah, some rankings came out, and uh, they predicted us to be number one in the state this year for 1A. Yeah. You got any um, – Star athletes you want to shout out on your team? I know you do. And we we have, uh, of course, you know, 6'9", Eric Wynn. He's already committed going to a junior college in uh, Kansas, actually one of the top in the nation. It's called Hutch Community College in Kansas. And then we have uh, Nasir Blackston. He's a senior as well. He's getting recruited by a couple of D1s and some D2 schools. You know, he might, even, he might end up going to Barton College, my old school, but – he has options. Then we have Marion Johnson. We have uh, Devin Bullock. We have Adrian Land. We have uh, Christian Battle. We have Nation Waller. We have, you know, Makai Eatman. We we have a lot of talent, man. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. not going to sit here and lie to you. We have we have a good overall team. And uh, I told them the other day, you know, coaching them is such a joy because I can literally put, you know, two or three lineups out there and I'll be fine. You know what I'm saying? And that's what makes practice so competitive when you have the, the balance to know that, you know, every kid is going to get better day in and day out and they hold each other accountable. And it makes coaching so much easier when I don't have to go in there and try to hold them accountable myself. They hold each other accountable. So we have a lot of talent, man. We have a, I think we have a special year coming up where we can, you know, hang one of them banners up in our gym. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to try to get out there and go to a couple of games, too, so I can um might try to um get you to hook me up for some interviews on some of your players, man. Bring them on the podcast. I love to do that, man. It'd be good for them. It'd be good for them. Yeah, man. And um, just tell me, I know one thing that your best 
your best time as a globe trotter, like your very best time, like you can just go back and we're like, man, I had fun that game. Oh man, that is uh, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> that's real tough. Cause I know I had, y'all had the the glow in the dark game with the uniforms right, right. and. <laughs> right. Well, I would say I could give you maybe I could give you two. Okay. All right. The first one would probably be uh, I had just become uh, in the role of showman with the Harlem Globetrotters. Just the guy that wears the microphone and does all the funny stuff, and I had just become uh-huh. in the I just came to the role of that. And um, we were actually playing in a big tour. The big part of our tour was in New York. One one tour was in New York, one tour was in Los Angeles, and one tour was in like, um, I wanna say around Dallas or somewhere like that. And it was big, like that was a money-making tour. And I, you know, being fresh, I was on the New York side and that was like one of our big money-making markets. And uh, we played in front of a sold out Madison Square Garden crowd. And um, you look on the front row, they have Ben Stiller and uh, I think Alex Rodriguez, mm-hmm. some of his people were there. And uh, I mean, just all these guys, uh, Polly from Rocky was there. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I'm used to seeing these guys <laughs> on TV. Yeah. Here I am, a little old country boy from Wilson, and now they're watching me. They pay money to watch me. So uh, I would say that and the interaction with the movie stars after the game, how they were appreciating our craft and telling us how good we did and how it felt good for them to be entertained for once instead of them doing the entertaining. I think that was pretty cool. I think uh, another one would probably be playing the Staples Center. Um, we played there. Um, it was the year. It, I think it was in my last year. And uh, this was my first time actually doing the show as a showman in Staples Center. And it was it was great. You know, we, they, they didn't expect a very big crowd because around the time we played in Staples Center, around the time they had the uh, the All Star NBA All Star Weekend. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But um, it was a big crowd, and like it was like a last minute rush. And I mean, you, I mean, I thought I had a lot of celebrities in New York. We had a lot of celebrities. That you had like um, Evelyn from uh, Bas- Basketball Wives. She mm-hmm. was there. You had uh, Reese Witherspoon. I actually danced and got a kiss from her on the floor. <laughs> I actually got pictures of that. And then, um, you know, my wife was there to experience it with me. And I, I think that's what made it special. You know, that was like the culmination of everything over my 12 years to be there and her to see that in a big big time stage like that. And then maybe probably the third one would be the night that I hit uh, 93 points in the game. I, uh, I actually hit 22 four-pointers. It was in San Diego. I hit 22 four-pointers and I finished with 93 points in the game. And that was just one of those nights where I felt like anything I threw up was just mm-hmm. really So uh, those probably be my top three games I, I would have to pick up. Yeah, I, I know, man. Um, a lot of kids out there be like, um, they want to be a glow trotter, mm-hmm. but it comes with practice. Tell them how much practice it took just to go out there and perform them tricks. Man, I tell you what, and this is a true story. When my first year I was drafted by the Globetrotters, I went to training camp. And, you know, coming up fresh out of college, you know, I just knew hooping. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I, I knew I could go out here and I, I could give you a bucket. I ain't know nothing about no tricks. No, all <laughs> I could do, all I could do was really spin the ball on my finger. And I had a guy, his name was Handles Franklin. And uh, he came with me. He was he's actually from uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And he came with me, and he was actually one of the originators of the Nike commercial. You remember when they used to do all the tricks on the Nike commercial with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the squeak, uh, the, the bounce, and all that stuff. So um, he came up to me, and it was actually his first year too. But he was used to doing the tricks because he was with the Nike commercial. He had his own little tour they had going around and stuff like that. And he pulled me to the side. He said, "You're gonna be one of the best ball handlers to come through here." I said, man, what make you say that? I said, I can't do nothing right now, but spin the ball on my phone. <laughs> and he looked at me, he said, because I watched you the whole time you was here. He said, you didn't say a lot. He said, but you were observing. And he said, I, I feel like you were taking a lot of stuff in. And when you go back home, when we come to training camp, you're going to be good to go. And I and he was right. I was really sitting back observing. So the one thing I would first tell kids, like I tell my son, if you really want to be good at something, study it. St- study your craft. 
Um, you know, I, I told my son, you know, he liked Kyrie, he liked Steph Curry. Yeah. I said, why do you like them? And he couldn't really answer that. And I said, you need to sit down and watch them and tell me why you like them. And so then one day we were working out, I said, you figured out why you like Kyrie and Steph Curry? And he was like, well, I like Steph Curry because he can get his shot off and make it consistently. Mm-hmm. He said, I like Kyrie because he can do all the dribbling stuff and create his own shot. I said, well, if you got those two things in your game, you're going to be pretty hard to stop. I said, if you got a Kyrie handle and a Steph Curry shot. And um, it made sense to him. And that's what I did with the Globetrotters. I took every drill I had since I was a little boy dribbling the ball, and I incorporated that into being a Globetrotter. And, man, when I tell you I practice nonstop, I would probably – I would wake up in the morning at 7, get breakfast. I would put, I would pick up a ball and just start practicing my tricks in the hotel room. You know what I'm saying? A lot of, a lot of broken lamps, a lot of broken <laughs> tables and stuff like that, I said. But at the end of the day, it was worth it, man, because soon before you know it, I was one of the best ball handlers on the team. But it took a, it took a lot of work. It takes a lot of patience. A lot of kids, they think they're just going to get everything overnight, mm-hmm. and it's not going to happen like that. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. Even with me as a basketball coach now, like before you called me, I was studying film, just getting ready and looking at different colleges and things and sets that they run that I could possibly do with my team. And, you know, I do that on a daily basis. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, 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 big man on – studying your craft. Yeah. I do. I mean, I study it. You know, I'm pretty sure with you with your podcast, you probably listen to other podcasts and be like, well, what are they doing? And I might not be doing it. How can I get myself out here? So, you know, I mean, that's what I would say with these young, these young kids nowadays. Work your tail off. And if you feel like you're not working enough, then you're probably not working enough. But also study your craft. Study the people that you want to play like. Study the people who you want to be like. And I don't care, not just with basketball, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's a doctor, whether mm-hmm. it's a public speaker, whether it's a teacher. Look up these people or look up, you know, if you have a, if you want to be a teacher, who is your favorite teacher? Why are they your favorite teacher? You know, what do they do? How do they relate to their kids as to, you know, so when you get older, you know, can know how to relate to kids and things like that. So I think a lot of it is about studying the craft, but you got to put in that work. You, I mean, you got, I, and that's, that's my, that's another one of my models. I would not be at work as, a, and that's as a coach. That's as a father, as a husband, you know, mm-hmm. I, I take pride in all this stuff. You will not outwork me. You, will, I'm just competitive. I am. I'm, yeah. I'm, and my wife, to. my wife get mad sometimes because how competitive I am. But I told her, I said, I just want to be the best <laughs> in everything. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just me. I said, it could be a flaw. I said, but at the end of the day, if I wasn't trying to be the best husband I could be to you, I said, you would feel some type of way. And she, you know, she really couldn't answer that because she was yeah, like, yeah, you, you, hey, look, you, you know, got a stump right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I said, you know, I could be complacent there. I said, but, you know, I look on TV, I look at the shows, Real Housewives that you be watching and what their husband be doing for their wives and stuff like that. And I might can't do it all, but I could do something somewhat to make you feel like you're the most special woman in the world. So it's just about, you know, studying your craft and just putting that work, man. Yeah, man. I mean, when it comes to the youth, um, do you have any like youth camps around the local area that you be doing programs? Events? I actually, I, I actually do. I actually have uh, basketball camps every year, and uh, I actually, I actually mentor a lot of kids around the area as well. My basketball camps, we normally have about two hundred kids a session, and um, it's actually very big. I, I felt like this year was gonna be one of the biggest, but you know, COVID hit and all this mm-hmm. stuff, so. Uh, a lot of people really upset and I was really sad. It just felt like something was missing. Cause that's a time that we look forward to every year or in the summer, but um, still, you know, God, had, God does everything for a reason. And oh, I feel yeah. like, you know, he did that to make, you know, the next year, you know, come back even bigger. And, you know, we're already planning for some things. I actually have some people who are big time shoe companies that might want to sponsor my camp because they heard about, you know, the impact that it has on kids lives. So, yeah, man. You know, I, I I feel like that's why I came home off the road from the Globetrotters. If I, I, my community needed me to give back, and people, you know, when they, when you say give back, a lot of people say, "Oh, he went and made money." You know, he gave yeah. back money. Nah, you know, it ain't all money, about that. Money, money is good, but if the kids in your community can see your face and hear your stories and how it can help motivate them, that means that's mean that means more to me than money because now they can go out there and make their own money and make it last for, and they can build a legacy for their kids. And, you know, that's something that I appreciate that I'm able to do. And, you know, if I'm able to bless somebody with some money here or there, yeah, I do that. But information goes a long way. I tell somebody information more valuable than money, because if I had the information to go make the money and then let that money keep making money for me, 
then that's what that's what you know the, the successful people in this world do. You know, it's not it's not about you giving me a million dollars because mm-hmm. if you give me a million dollars, I'm probably gonna go go do something crazy with it. Yeah. But if I can go out here and know how you made your million, uh-huh. teach you how to make it. Right to where I can make my million and then make millions for my kids. That's the way of the world, man. Yeah, man. And I appreciate this interview, man. You gave some some meaningful wisdom to the youth, man. That's what I was looking for, man. That's what I was looking for. That's what that's what we're here for, man. And um, I mean, you know, we wouldn't be where we are now if nobody reached back out to us and helped us. You know what I mean? Even if it wasn't, you know, a lot of help, any little thing, you know, you know, you don't need to do this, you don't need yeah. to do that. You know, we take that and we run with it. And, you know, I think it's just our duty now, especially for our young African-American males. You know, they need to see more positive black males in this community that's not just, you know, NBA and LeBrons and KDs. You know, it's it's other guys around here that's done things that you can respect and you can look up to because they're good stand-up fathers or good stand-up citizens, you know what I'm saying, or good stand-up husbands. So. You know, I think it's important that we help, you know, all generations and all races, but especially our African-American males out here. And on that note, and I'm a, um, I got to get back with you, man. Link up back with you, man. See if I can come to some of the events. We can um, put some together for the community, man. Let's let's try to do it, man. I'm all I'm all about the community. I don't care if it's in Weldon. I don't care if it's in Rona Rapids. I don't care if it's down here in Wilson, wherever it's at. I mean... People need should, people need love everywhere and kids. Yeah, they do. So, you know, we can do something, man. I, I love to team up with you, man. That's what's up, man. And much success on this coming basketball year. Appreciate oh, it. Yeah, man. And last words, man, that you want to give out to the listeners. Uh, if I can give anything, um, you know, 2020 is about to come to an end, probably about, you know, nine days. And it's been rough. I mean, it's been, it's been rough on us all. But my thing is, and I tell, like I tell my guys, you know, 2020 came here, you know, not to break you, but to let us learn to appreciate life for what it's worth, to let us learn how to love a little harder, smile a little more, and just be the best person that you could be every day because life is not promised to anybody. So what we have to understand as individuals is that, you know, this could be my last time, you know, speaking to you. I could yeah. meet off you right now, something could happen. But I left something for people to be better. And I think that's what we have to do as a people. Every day we wake up, instead of wanting people to bless us all the time, we gotta learn how to be a blessing to other people. And once we learn how to be blessings to other people, then God will in turn bless us and he'll heal the land. And I think that's what people are crying out for right now. And um, it was a wake-up call. 2020 was definitely a wake-up call. Oh, yeah. For a lot of us. And, um, you know, a lot of people are mad with it. You know, I actually learned to appreciate it. You know what I mean? Because it's out of our control. You know, if I if I could come up with the cure for COVID, I would, but, but we can't. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we just have to learn how to deal with things. And this is just a time. This is just a season. That's why yeah. I call it. This is just a season. That's all it is. That we had to go through. And um, my thing is, I'm, when this season is over, Will we come out the same or will we come out better? Because at the end of the day, that's what life is all about anyway. You go through things to become better, not to become worse. So if anything, let this whole 2020 and all this COVID stuff, let us let it make us better as people. And then in turn, you know, we learn how to be a blessing to others instead of always wanting the handouts and for others to bless us. Yeah, and I appreciate you, man, again, for blessing my podcast, man. I'm just want to say happy holidays to you and your family, man, and many more blessings, man. Appreciate it, man. And happy holidays to you and everybody out there. Much success on your podcast, man. I hope to look up three, four, six months, a year from now, whenever it may be, and your podcast be number one. I Thank you, man. You know, Thank I, you, I, man. I, I receive I, that, man. Amen. I, I, pray, I pray the best over everybody, man. And, you know, because who to, who to say you can't do it? You know, I was the same little country boy that they told would never be nothing, and here I am. Living my best life, national champion, Harlem Globe, try to beautiful wife, beautiful kids, and life is good. So, you know, want to send many blessings to you. Happy holidays and happy new year to everybody, man. I appreciate that, man. And on that note, man, everybody have a safe holiday and God bless. We out.
Welcome to another episode of Championship Circle with your host Cordell Bowser. And I got a special guest with me today. He's not only a ball player, but he's an entertainer. Go on, introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Atkinson, Wilson, North Carolina, former Harlem Globe, Trotter, now WPA, Wilson Preparatory Academy head basketball coach. And y'all heard when he said former Harlem Globe Trotter. So, <laughs> yeah, so that means he's an entertainer. I mean, when you talk about the Harlem Globe Trotters, all you think about is the tricks, uh, the crowd favorite. I mean, tell them about the work you put in to be there to get to that, that spot. It's a whole lot <clears throat> harder than what people think, man. I mean, you know, not only is it just, you know, the skill and, you know, the, the practice, you know, of your craft, it's also, you know, traveling the road for seven to eight months out of the year, being away from your family, um, living in and out of hotels and out of suitcases, you know what I mean? But uh, all in all, man, you know, <clears throat> you, I always believe you get in, you get in, you get out what you put in. Oh, and uh, ever since I was a young kid, you know, with my dad, I've been, you know, preparing you know, to do something special with my life, whether it be basketball or whatever it is. But I've been around basketball my whole life. And I, I mean, we work, but when I was with the Globe Trotters, man, it was, it was, it was, it was never stopped thing. And uh, you, we would get back to the hotel room some nights. We would just grab a ball and just start working on our craft and everything like that. Because like you said, we were entertainers and people paid money to come see us play. And not just to come see us play and perform, but, you know, we changed a lot of people's lives, you know, my 12 years out there. You know, we had cancer patients come. That was the last request to watch us play. And, you know, people, you know, earthquakes were hit countries and we would go and uh, brighten up people's days. So, you know, it was a lot of a lot of pride that was uh, that we took out there on that floor every night when we went and played in front of the masses, man. A lot of pride. Yeah, man. And like you said, man, like y'all had children that was sick and if they just got to a glow trotter game, it was like their sickness disappeared from the time they were there to the time they was, the game was over. Cause that's the only thing that y'all brought smiles on people's faces. Yeah, it, so, was, it was it was crazy. We had a phrase that we used to say, you know, people can be going through anything. It's just like now with, you know, the COVID and oh, 2020, yeah. you know what I mean? If You know, but if it was a glow trotter game going tonight for two hours, people would forget about everything going in the world and they would just have fun. And that's why, we took so much pride in what we did because we made people forget about their problems. We made people forget about, you know, what was going on with their bodies, anything in their life. And for two hours, everybody was a kid and we just had a great time. And that was a special thing about being a Globetrotter. Yeah, man, I respect every bit of part of that, man. All right, so we know you talked about the Globetrotter, but that's like fast forward. So let's back up your high school basketball career. You got any memories about that? Well, of course, I mean, you know, I was a two-time state champion at Greenfield School. Uh, my senior year, we were state runner-ups. So um, my first year at Greenfield School, I went 26-0. and uh, We won a state championship. We beat Word of God in the championship. My uh, junior year, we went 27-2. and uh, We beat, uh, I think it was Gaston Day uh, School back then from Charlotte. And then my uh, senior year, we actually played Victory Christian out of Charlotte, and we lost to them in the championship game. I think we went 31-6 and six that year. But I uh, had a lot of good times, man. Had a lot of good times also at my previous school, Bedingfield High School, right here in Woodson, Carolina, um, Woodson, North Carolina. I, uh, we had some great times there, winning the Christmas tournament my freshman year, making the all-tournament team. You know, that was something special. That's what a lot of people live for, you know, coming up through the Woodson public schools and everything to play in the Christmas tournament. And for me to have a chance to experience it and – Everything, man, it, it was cool, man. We had, had a lot of fun in high school years. I mean, I tell anybody now, you know, high school basketball is way different from when we were back then. Oh, I think, yeah. I think we were a lot more competitive. And I think, you know, we were also a lot more, you know, we didn't have the gift of social media. And I tell my kids nowadays, if I had social media back in the day, I would have been probably a top 10 pick. Oh, yeah. The- social media helped out a lot of young players right now. Oh man, it, it, I mean, it, it helps them out. I mean, some of these young players you wouldn't even know. Nope. Some of these young, young, some of these young players actually fall victim to social media because it hypes them up so early, and they get a uh, you know a scholarship offer like what's my guy that uh, went to North Carolina? He's at South Carolina, Seventh Woods. Yeah, he, Seventh had, Woods. One, he had one of the best um, 
you know, highlight tapes in high school you could possibly see. But, you know, it showed a lot of dunks and a lot of highlights, but the fundamental and lack of skill was there. Mm -hmm. And so when he got to Carolina, it was showcased, you know, and then now he's at South Carolina, he's still struggling. But, you know, I wish everybody luck. But, I mean, that's that's the thing about social media now. It covers up a lot of your flaws in your game because once you get in the game, if you play a real dog and you look across the floor and nobody cares if you can dunk or what you can do, it's going to be tough for anybody. And that's, that's why I said it was different back in the day because we didn't play for social media. We played for pride. We played for if I see you on the street in a barbershop, I want to beat you because if I come in the barbershop, I can talk to you smack. Rights. Yeah. Right, right. It just it just meant a little more to us back then. And um, you know, I tell my kids I coach that today, I said, you know, y'all couldn't, y'all couldn't be on the floor with me for five minutes back in the day. I would just eat y'all alive. Just, you know, <laughs> the mentality was different. The mentality was just totally different back in the day. And speaking of mentality, I'm gonna kind of fast forward a little bit forward now. I know this right. this might excite you right here. I went online, <laughs> yeah, I did. I went online when I, I, I do my research when I'm interviewing. So right. I went online and I seen Ant Atkinson, 10 points in 40 seconds. Yeah. 10 points in 40 seconds. And I'm gonna just tell the listeners, you're not, tell them how tall you is. I'm five, nine and a half. Five, nine and a half. Now rewind back. Go into your memory and take me down that 40 second shot, that 40 seconds left in the championship game. Well, it was, uh, I was actually in college. <clears throat> it was my senior year at Barton College. And um, we had uh, we had a crazy year that year. You know, we had started out ranked number two and then we like went on a crazy losing streak. We lost like five straight over Christmas. And then we had some things happen with our team that just, you know, shook everything up and then we started hooping and we ended up winning like 18 or something games straight or something like that and we ended up uh, hosting the regionals one of the regionals and then we made it to the elite eight like in ncaa division one they had what they call the final four and division two they had what they call the elite eight it's the replica of the final four is just mm -hmm. eight teams in it so we were there and of course we were the smallest team there nobody really knew about us anything like that so we won the first game i actually hit a buzzer beat of that game from half, almost half court we won the second game. I hit the game winning free throw. Um, then the third game, which was national championship game, we were playing the uh, the predominant favorite, which is Winona State, and we had lost to them the year before in the Elite Eight in the first round. And so it was a rematch. And what's crazy was the beginning of the year they were actually ranked number one, and we were ranked number two. So uh, it, it's just fitting how everything worked out. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, we the game was back and forth all game. And, um, you know, it got down to like the last 45, 40 seconds and we came to the huddle. And in my mind, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, this is my last game as a college <laughs> ball player. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to do all I can, not just for myself, yeah. but, you know, for my for team. team. Yeah. We worked so hard to get there, man. And we, I really, feel, I really felt like we were better than them. I did. I was pissed because I didn't think I did enough the year before to beat them. And now I was sitting here going through the same exact thing. And uh, I just went out there and, you know, I just, you know, that takeover mode hit. And it was, I felt like we had nothing to lose, you know yeah. what I mean? And the closer the game got, you know, the more they began to like kind of choke. And I came down, I think I hit like a jump shot. Then they mm -hmm. went down, they missed the free throw, came back down, boom, hit another jump shot. Then we got a steal on the inbound and my teammate Aaron Frills threw the ball to me and I hit a layup with my left hand. And, um, I was going to the free throw line to tie it up. And uh, at that point right there, you know, I, I, I felt like we were gonna win the game. I, yeah, I, I, I know your heart would be in a thousand miles per hour. Oh man, the, adre <laughs> the, the adrenaline and you know, the the, the, the the moment, you know, a lot of people talk about the moment yeah. overtaking. And I think honestly, that's why I ended up missing the free throw because the moment really overtook me. And I missed the free throw and they went down and when I look back on it now, you know, a lot of people are like, man, you choked the free throw. You know, what would happen if, you know, they would have held the ball for the rest of the game? And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we would have lost. I mean, yeah. that, that was it. That's just, just that's just a part of the game. But I knew we had another chance because they weren't shooting free throws well. So we went down. I missed the free throw. They fouled. And uh, they missed the first free throw. And then he hit the second free throw. So we were down two. So then they throw me the ball. I hit, I hit a reverse uh, layup on the other side. And then I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, it's like four seconds, you know, and it's winding down three and the guy dribbles up to me and I make him cross over cause I see my teammate running from behind him. 
So I'm making crossovers where my teammate is at, and my teammate, you know, steals the ball, back tips it, and then they kick it up to me. And my first instinct as a point guard, look at the clock, because then I could decide mm-hmm. whether I need to shoot a pull up three or I need to take the ball all the way. So when I looked at the clock, I saw I had 2.5 seconds, and I was at half court. I said, hey, if I miss the layup or I don't get off in time, at least we're going to overtime, I said, but I'm not just going to chunk up some three and, you know, not give myself a fair chance. And plus, I knew how fast I was with the basketball. So I sped the ball. I sped dribble all the way to the hole, man, and made the layup. And, you know, we were national champions. And it was just – it was a story, you know, just about it, – it, it's really it's really good enough to be a movie, yeah. I, I feel. That, that whole season, that whole 2007 championship season, and that just culminates everything that we went through all year. The injuries, the um, the you know, the drama that we had, you know, because I think every good team, if you even watch the Michael Jordan story, you know what I'm saying, the last dance, they talk mm-hmm. about the drama that they had with each other and going on in the background. But what people don't realize, and that's why I say basketball is a whole lot different with how we played back then. Drama somehow brought us together. It made us tighter, it made us closer. Nowadays, these kids and these athletes, they take stuff so personal and they can't learn how to move on from things for the better good, which is the team, and they hold things in. But, you know, all that stuff, you know, brought us together and we were, you know, we did something special for our city of Wilson, man. We won national champions and it was, it's a day I never forget. It's, it's a week I never forget, actually, because all that stuff, all the interviews and flying out to the ESPY awards and everything like that, it was just, it was amazing, man. It was just, it was just good to, re- to live and sometimes, I even go back and, you know, I show my son the clip sometimes, you know, just to see, you know, daddy don't, daddy know what he's talking about. Yeah, know? I know this, right? You know here's saying? the proof right here, son. Right. Sometimes you got to do that because he hear people talk about it. And I, and my, my dad asked me one day, my father asked me one day, have you ever sat down and like really broke down the family him? Because my son, he's going to be a great basketball player too. And I told my dad, I said, nah, I said, I never did. I said, I was going to do it. He said, it might be good that you do it. Because my son getting at the stage now where he understands a lot more. Oh, yeah. And how old is he? He's about to be 10 in February. Okay, okay. And so uh, I sat down with him one day and he watched the film and he was just smiling. And uh, I was like, what you smiling for? He was like, that's you. I was like, yeah. I said, you see how little I am? I said, <laughs> you know, hopefully, you know, you get a little taller than I am. But I said, you know, it don't matter what the circumstance look like. It don't matter, you know, the size of anything. I said, you go out there and you give your all on the floor, something good will end up happening. If not, if you don't even win the game, something good gonna happen later on in life for you. Because, you know, I tell people, and I tell my athletes that I coach today, basketball is a life lesson in itself. Mm-hmm. You take me, for example, basketball is taking me all around the world to 90 some countries. I met all these famous people. I made a good living for myself. I got a family, you know, that, that round basketball, it's a life changer. If you, if you treat it right and you do the right oh, yeah. thing by it. So, you know, it's a life lesson and everything, but that's, that's a good life lesson I tell people, you know, just never give up, man. Cause if I would've gave up, you probably won't be talking to me on this podcast right now. I know that's right, man. And that's what these young players, these young athletes got to remember, like never give up. Like that right. got to be their motto, never give up. Right. It's and good. and it's I see- good, man. It's good, especially in this time, because I mean, you look at so many young kids that just any little thing happened, they're just ready to quit, ready to give up. And I tell him, I said, you know, you say you want to, I told one of my kids, I said, you told me you want to make the NBA. I said, so what if you go out, come out of college and you don't get drafted? Mm-hmm. You got to go overseas. Then you got to go to the G League. Then you might get to college with the NBA. I said, so you just going to give up just because you didn't get drafted? I said, I didn't get drafted. I said, but I always wanted to play in the NBA. I said, I still think I can play in the NBA. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. I tell kids, man, that, I mean, that's my slogan anyway. I mean, my, my cousin makes t-shirts for me. Never give up. Because, yeah, I mean, never give up, man. It's, 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 you know, it seems cliche, but it's just so true. Yeah, and like I said, you from Wilson, North Carolina, small town. I mean, you when you got the talent to do something from a small town, you got to put it on showcase. Right. You got to put it on showcase. A lot of these young players, they hold back. They get involved with the wrong crowd. Yep. No, I mean, I done seen athletes, like I'm from Weldon, North Carolina, another right. small town. I done seen guys I grew up with averaging 30 points on the basketball court. Now they in the streets, they yep. selling dope, they smoking dope. I mean, you got to put your, your potential on showcase. I actually told my guys, uh, it was a practice when we first began this year. I told them, I said, you know, on one Saturday or one Sunday morning, I'm gonna take you guys down to our local rec. 
and I'm just let you sit and watch. And they said, well, why are we going to do that, coach? I said, Cause I won't, after they play, I'm going to have some of the old time legends come over and talk to y'all mm-hmm. and tell y'all why they didn't make it. I said, because it's good for y'all to hear stories like that so you can know what not to do so mm-hmm. you can't make it. And I said, a lot of it was just you no know, decision. You have choices. And I tell them, I said, your choices, at the end of the day, they're going to either, you know, give you something positive or you're going to, you know, have consequences. I said, so, you know, you got to learn how to make the right choice. And I said, a lot of them just didn't make the right choices. I said, you know, but y'all need to see that because you can learn from those things. I said, because I remember I used to play in these rec leagues when I was coming up in high school. And some of those same legends and some of those same guys that had a chance to make it, they would talk to me in the rec league. And some of them would tell me some positive things. And some of them would tell me some negative things because, you know, you got your haters out there just because they didn't make it. They don't oh, want you yeah. to make it. Oh, yeah. So, but I got it. I understood it. And I told my guys, I said, that's why y'all need to go through these things because your generation, that's what y'all are lacking. And that's why I, I'm just thankful as a basketball coach, I cannot just sit back and coach and teach these guys. I can literally get out there and show them what to do, what not to do, because this generation is more of a show me generation. Like mm-hmm. our generation, all you had to do was say it. And that's we'll it. This generation, you got to say it, you got to show it, then you got to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and show it again. And I get it. It's a different generation, but you know, that's the joys that I get out of being a basketball coach. You see where we came from when we were in school to now the way these kids are today. And the great basketball coaches learn how to adapt to the different surroundings and the different eras and things like that. And I, I'm glad you said something about you coaching. Um, Wilson Prep. Yes, sir. Um, I seen um, something they kind of scrubbed my attention. They said y'all was the number one D1 school in the area right now. Yeah. Basketball. Yeah, some rankings came out, and uh, they predicted us to be number one in the state this year for 1A. Yeah. You got any um, star athletes you want to shout out on your team? I know you do. Man, we we have, uh, of course, you know, 6'9", Eric Wynn. He's already committed going to a junior college in uh, Kansas, actually one of the top in the nation. It's called Hutch Community College in Kansas. And then we have uh, Nasir Blackston. He's a senior as well. He's getting recruited by a couple of D1s and some D2 schools. You know, he might he might end up going to Barton College, my old school, but he has options. Then we have Omarion Johnson. We have uh, Devin Bullock. We have Adrian Land. We have uh, Christian Battle. We have Nation Waller. We have, you know, Makai Eatman. We, we have a lot of talent, man. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. not going to sit here and lie to you. We have, we have a good overall team. And uh, I told them the other day, you know, coaching them is such a joy because I can literally put, you know, two or three lineups out there and I'll be fine. You know what I'm saying? And that's what makes practice so competitive when you have the, the balance to know that, you know, every kid is going to get better day in and day out and they hold each other accountable. And it makes coaching so much easier when I don't have to go in there and try to hold them accountable myself. They hold each other accountable. So we have a lot of talent, man. We have a, I think we have a special year coming up where we can, you know, hang one of them banners up in our gym. So looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get out there and go to a couple of games too. So I can um might try to um get you to hook me up for some interviews on some of your players, man. Bring them on the podcast. I love to do that, man. It'd be good for them. It'd be good for them. Yeah, man. And um just tell me, I know one thing that your best your best time as a globe trotter, like your very best time, like you can just go back and we're like, man, I had fun that game. Oh man, that is uh, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> that's real tough. Cause I, I know had, y'all had the the glow in the dark game with the uniforms right, right. and. <laughs> right. Well, I would say I could give you maybe, I could give you two. Okay. All right. The first one will probably be. Uh, I had just begun uh, in the role of showman with the Harlem Globetrotters. Just the guy that wears the microphone and does all the funny stuff. And I had just become uh-huh. in the, I just came to the role of that. And um, we were actually playing in a big tour. The big part of our tour was in New York. One, one tour was in New York. One tour was in Los Angeles. And one tour was in like, um, I want to say around Dallas or somewhere like that. And it was big, like that was a money making tour. And I, you know, being fresh, I was on the New York side and that was like one of our big money-making markets. And uh, 
we played in front of a sold out Madison Square Garden crowd. And um, you look on the front row, they have Ben Stiller and uh, I think Alice Rodriguez, mm -hmm. some of his people were there. And uh, I mean, just all these guys, uh, Polly from Rocky was there. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I'm used to seeing these guys on TV. Yeah. Here I am, a little old country boy from Wilson, and now they're watching me. They pay money to watch me. So uh, I would say that, and the interaction with the movie stars after the game, how they were appreciating our craft and telling us how good we did, and how it felt good for them to be entertained for once instead of them doing the entertaining. I think that was pretty cool. I think uh, another one would probably be playing the Staples Center. Um, we played there. Um, it was the year, it, I think it was in my last year. And uh, this was my first time actually doing the show as a showman in Staples Center. And it was it was great. You know, we, they, they didn't expect a very big crowd because around the time we played in Staples Center is around the time they had the uh, the All-Star NBA All-Star Weekend. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But um, it was a big crowd and like, it was like a last minute rush. And I mean, you, I mean, I thought I had a lot of celebrities in New York. We had a lot of celebrities that you had like um, Evelyn from uh, Bas Basketball Wives, she mm -hmm. was there. You had uh, Reese Witherspoon. I actually danced and got a kiss from her on the floor. <laughs> I actually got pictures of that. And then, um, you know, my wife was there to experience it with me. And I, I think that's what made it special. You know, that was like the culmination of everything over my 12 years to be there and her to see that in a big, big time stage like that. And then maybe probably the third one would be the night that I hit uh, 93 points in the game. I, uh, I actually hit 22 four-pointers. It was in San Diego. I hit 22 four-pointers and I finished with 93 points in the game. And that was just one of those nights where I felt like anything I threw up was just mm -hmm. So uh, those would probably be my top three games I, I would have to pick up. Yeah, I, I know, man. Um, a lot of kids out there be like um, – they want to be a globe trotter, mm -hmm. but it comes with practice. Tell them how much practice it took just to go out there and perform them tricks. Man, I tell you what, and this is a true story. When my first year I was drafted by the globe trotters, I went to training camp and, you know, coming up fresh out of college, you know, I just knew hooping. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I knew I could go out here and I, I could give you a bucket. I ain't know nothing about no tricks. No, all <laughs> I could do, all I could do was really spin the ball on my finger. And I had a guy, his name was Handles Franklin. And uh, he came with me. He was, he's actually from uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And he came with me and he was actually one of the originators of the Nike commercial. You remember when they used to do all the tricks on the Nike commercial with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the squeak, uh, the, the bounce and all that stuff. So, um, he came up to me and it was actually his first year too, but he was used to doing the tricks because he was with the night commercial. He had his own little tour they had going around and stuff like that. And he pulled me to the side. He said, you're going to be one of the best ball handlers to come through here. Hmm. I said, man, what make you say that? I said, I can't do it right now, but spin the ball on my phone. <laughs> and he looked at me, he said, because I watched you the whole time you was here. He said, you didn't say a lot. He said, but you were observant. And he said, I, I feel like you were taking a lot of stuff in. And when you go back home, when we come to training camp, you're going to be good to go. And, I, and he was right. I was really sitting back observing. So the one thing I would first tell kids, like I tell my son, if you really want to be good at something, study it. St study your craft. Um, you know, I, I told my son, you know, he liked Kyrie. He liked Steph Curry. Yeah. I said, why do you like them? And he couldn't really answer that. And I said, you need to sit down and watch them and tell me why you like them. And so then one day we were working out. I said, you figured out why you like Kyrie and Steph Curry? And he was like, well, I like Steph Curry because he can get his shot off and make it consistently. Mm -hmm. and he said, I like Kyrie because he can do all the dribbling stuff and create his own shot. I said, well, if you got those two things in your game, you're going to be pretty hard to stop. I said, if you got a Kyrie handle and a Steph Curry shot. And um, it made sense to him. And that's what I did with the Globetrotters. I took every drill I had since I was a little boy dribbling the ball and I incorporated that into being a Globetrotter. And man, when I tell you I practice nonstop, I would probably, I would wake up in the morning seven, get breakfast. I would put, I would pick up a ball and just start practicing my tricks in the hotel room. You know what I'm saying? A lot of, a lot of broken lamps, a lot of broken <laughs> tables and stuff like that. I said, but at the end of the day, it was worth it, man, because soon before you know it, I was one of the best ball handlers on the team. But it took, a, it took a lot of work. 
it takes a lot of patience. A lot of kids, they think they're just going to get everything overnight, mm-hmm. and it's not going to happen like that. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. Even with me as a basketball coach now, like, before you called me, I was studying film, just getting ready and looking at different colleges and things and sets that they run that I could possibly do with my team. And, you know, I do that on a daily basis. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, 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 big man on – studying your craft yeah. I do I mean I study it you know I'm pretty sure with you with your podcast you probably listen to other podcasts be like well what are they doing and I might not be doing it. how can I get myself out here so you know I mean that's what I would say with these young these young kids nowadays work your tail off and if you feel like you're not working enough then you're probably not working enough but also study your craft study the people that you want to play like study the people who you want to be like and I don't care, not just with basketball, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a public speaker, whether it's a teacher, look up these people or look up, you know, if you have a, if you want to be a teacher, who is your favorite teacher? Why are they your favorite teacher? You know, what do they do? How do they relate to their kids as to, you know, so when you get older, you know, you can know how to relate to kids and things like that. So I think a lot of it is about studying the craft, but you got to put in that work. You, I mean, you got, I, and that's, that's my, that's another one of my models. I would not be at work as, a, and that's as a coach. That's as a father, as a husband, you know, mm-hmm. I, I take pride in all of this stuff. You will not outwork me. You, I'm just competitive. I am. I'm, yeah. I'm, and my wife, to. my wife get mad sometimes because how competitive I am. But I told her, I said, I just want to be the best <laughs> in everything. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just me. I said, it could be a flaw. I said, but at the end of the day, if I wasn't trying to be the best husband I could be to you, I said, you would feel some type of way. And she, you know, she really couldn't answer that because she was yeah, like, yeah, you, you, hey, look, you, you know got a stump saying? right there. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So I said, you know, I could be complacent there. I said, but, you know, I look on TV, I look at the shows, Real Housewives that you be watching and what their husband be doing for their wives and stuff like that. And I might like, can't do it all, but I could do something somewhat to make you feel like you're the most special woman in the world. So it's just about, you know, studying your craft and just putting that work, man. Yeah, man. I mean, when it comes to the youth, um, do you have any like youth camps around the local area that you be doing programs? Events? I actually, I, I actually do. I actually have uh, basketball camps every year, and uh, I actually, I actually mentor a lot of kids around the area as well. My basketball camps, we normally have about two hundred kids a session, and um, it's actually very big. I, I felt like this year was gonna be one of the biggest, but you know, COVID hit and all this mm-hmm. stuff, so. Uh, a lot of people were really upset and I was really sad. It just felt like something was missing because that's a time that we look forward to every year or in the summer. But, um, still, you know, God, had, God does everything for a reason. And oh, I yeah. feel like, you know, he did that to make, you know, the next year, you know, come back even bigger. And, you know, we're already planning for some things. I actually have some people who are big time shoe companies that might want to sponsor my camp because they heard about, you know, the impact that it has on kids' lives. So, yeah, man. You know, I, I I feel like that's why I came home off the road from the Globetrotters. If I, I, my community needed me to give back, and people, you know, when they, when you say give back, a lot of people say, "Oh, he went and made money." You know, he gave yeah. back money. Nah, you know, it ain't all money, about that. Money is good, but if the kids in your community can see your face and hear your stories and how it can help motivate them, that means that's mean that means more to me than money because now they can go out there and make their own money and make it last for, and they can build a legacy for their kids. And, you know, that's something that I appreciate that I'm able to do. And, you know, if I'm able to bless somebody with some money here or there, yeah, I do that. But information goes a long way. I tell somebody information more valuable than money, because if I had the information to go make the money and then let that money keep making money for me, then that's what, that's what, you know, the, the successful people in this world do. You know, it's not, it's not about you give me a million dollars because mm-hmm. if you give me a million dollars, I'm probably going to go do something crazy with it. Yeah. But if I can go out here and know how you made your million, uh-huh. teach you how to make it right to where I can make my million and then make millions for my kids. That's the way of the world. man. Yeah, man. And I appreciate this interview, man. You gave some, some meaningful wisdom to the youth, man. That's what I was looking for, man. That's what I was looking for. That's what, that's what we're here for, man. And, um, I mean, you know, we wouldn't be where we are now if nobody reached back out to us and helped us. You know what I mean? Even if it wasn't, you know, a lot of help, any little thing, you know, you know, you don't need to do this. You don't need to yeah. do that. You know, we take that and we run with it. And, you know, I think it's just our duty now, especially for our young African-American males. You know, they need to see more positive black males in this community that's not just, you know, NBA and LeBrons and KDs. You know, it's 
it's other guys around here that's done things that you can respect and you can look up to because they're good stand-up fathers or good stand-up citizens, you know what I'm saying, or good stand-up husbands. So, you know, I think it's important that we help, you know, all generations and all races, but especially our African-American males out here. And on that note, and I'm a, um, I got to get back with you, man. Link up back with you, man. See if I can come to some of the events. We can um, put some together for the community, man. Let's let's try to do it, man. I'm all I'm all about the community. I don't care if it's in Weldon, I don't care if it's in Rona Rapids, I don't care if it's down here in Wilson, wherever it's at. I mean, people need should people need love everywhere, and kids yeah, they do. Love. So you know, we can do something, man. I, I love to team up with you, man. That's what's up, man. And much success on this coming basketball year. Appreciate oh, it. Yeah, man. And last words, man, that you want to give out to the listeners. Uh, if I can give anything, um, you know, 2020 is about to come to an end, probably about, you know, nine days. And it's been rough. I mean, it's been, it's been rough on us all. But my thing is, and I tell, like I tell my guys, you know, 2020 came here, you know, not to break you, but to let us learn to appreciate life for what it's worth, to let us learn how to love a little harder, smile a little more, and just be the best persons you could be every day because life is not promised to anybody. So what we have to understand as individuals is that, you know, this could be my last time, you know, speaking to you. I could yeah. be off you right now, something could happen. But I left something for people to be better. And I think that's what we have to do as a people. Every day we wake up, instead of wanting people to bless us all the time, we gotta learn how to be a blessing to other people. And once we learn how to be blessings to other people, then God will in turn bless us and he'll heal the land. And I think that's what people are crying out for right now. And um, it was a wake up call. 2020 was definitely a wake up call. Oh yeah. For a lot of us. And um, you know, a lot of people are mad with it. You know, I actually learned to appreciate it. You know what I mean? Because it's out of our control. You know, if I if I could come up with the cure for COVID, I would, but but we can't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we just have to learn how to deal with things. And this is just a time. This is just a season. That's why yeah. I call it. This is just a season. That's all it is. That we had to go through. And um, my thing is, I'm when this season is over, will we come out the same or will we come out better? Because at the end of the day, that's what life is all about. Anyway, you go through things to become better, not to become worse. So, if anything. Let this whole 2020 and all this COVID stuff, let us let it make us better as people. And then in turn, you know, we learn how to be a blessing to others instead of always wanting the handouts and for others to bless us. Yeah, and I appreciate you, man, again, for blessing my podcast, man. I am just want to say happy holidays to you and your family, man, and many more blessings, man. Appreciate it, man. And happy holidays to you and everybody out there. Much success on your podcast, man. I hope to look up three, four, six months, a year from now, whenever it may be, and your podcast be number one. I Thank you, man. You know, Thank I, you, I, man. I receive I, that, man. Amen. I, I, pray, I pray the best over everybody, man. And, you know, because who to who say you can't do it? You know, I was the same little country boy that they told would never be nothing. And here I am living my best life. National champion, Harlem Globe, try to beautiful wife, beautiful kids, and life is good. So, you know, one minute, send many blessings to you. Happy holidays and happy new year to everybody, man. I appreciate that, man. And on that note, man, everybody have a safe holiday and God bless. We out.